Good morning, LCM. Today is February 17th, 2019. Today we have about, we have over 30 people in Victoria, Texas to provide support to New Life Church under the leadership of Pastor Eric Treister. Pastor, we love you so much. We're so glad that we get to send our folks to you as they have their grand opening in their new building. Last week, we started our Mastership Builder series. We talked about craftsmanship last week, how the Lord is building in us a desire. We, what we are building here at LCM and in the One Association is really something incredibly special. The Lord is the master builder, and we are spending every day to emulate our great king in every way that we possibly can. Is that true here? Yes. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. If you could put it up in the NASB, Miss Joy. Ah, yeah, we've got an amen from Rick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man should be careful how he builds it. Saints, it's important to understand that these instructions is that we are to build upon the foundation of the word of God. How important is the word of God? It's everything. It is the very substance in which we get our direction from heaven and guide our life. And the purpose of the Word of God is to establish that foundation that others can come right behind you and build upon it. And that our lives and our churches, LCM, your life, the one association of churches, is aimed at not just laying a foundation, but may the work continue for generations to come. Amen. Therefore, we must be careful how we build because the Lord is making us into master builders. He's fashioning and training our hands to be skilled craftsmen as we build the kingdom of God. Hey man, turn with us to Exodus chapter 36. You remember last week we focused in on Exodus 36 and we're going to look at verse 2 as a reminder of where we've been to help us set where we're going today. Say there when you are there. It says this, then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab. A man who was known as an ultimate craftsman. If you say craftsman in the Bible, the two names that should probably jump into your mind first, other than the Lord himself, as far as skill in every kind of craftsmanship, is Bezalel. Anointed, called. From the first time that he was introduced, we see that he had been chosen. And he had someone to help him. There was not an idea that he was going to do it by himself. It's one of the most gifted men that the Bible prescribes. You are not supposed to do this life alone. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to be by myself. See, I'm from Louisiana. We have some bayous. The worst bayou got is by yourself. You don't want to be by yourself. Louisiana joke. It's all right. Like a little grenade will go off later. It's it's okay. It's funny. You just did. Okay. Uh, Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person. Even while we're talking about craftsmanship, do you see how it's laced in with this idea of community? With this idea that it's not Bezalel by himself. The Lord gave him a man named Oholiab to come along and join him in the work. And those two men helped lead a group of other men who were able to do the work. And every skilled person to whom, and there are three things that the Lord had given. The Lord had given ability. And these men showed themselves to be willing to come and to do the work. Those three principles helped guide us last week towards craftsmanship in that description with ability we related it to being an apprentice you know the best place to start out 
is just admitting you don't know anything, right? If you can get that through people's minds, you can just build really quickly from there. Well, being an apprentice means that you are going to gain ability. And also any other ability you have, you're going to develop that skill into a craftsmanship. At some point, that ability goes into being a journeyman. And taking that craft that you've learned and doing it again and again. This is the willingness part. That yes, you've been developed into a craftsman. Let's say of a trade of electrical or plumbing or whatever else it may be. And you know what tomorrow you have to do? Go to work. The day after that, go to work. Go to work. Go to work. After a period of time, the experience of being willing to do it again and again, developing that craft will leave you, leave you into being a master builder or craftsman as you do the work that is perfect in building the kingdom. Amen. As we continue our series today, we want to talk to you about a different kind of ship. If we're going to talk to you about becoming a master builder yourself, you can't become a master if you only have one type of ship. A true craftsman is able to master many different styles. I have to be honest with you. This morning, I woke up at 5.15 this morning. The alarm clock went off. Before my feet hit the bed, the song that I had playing inside of my head... It, it was amazing. It sounded really good on the inside. Come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me. Yeah, I don't know why sticks was in my head this morning. <laughs> but it was. I woke up this morning thinking about come sail away with me. What do you think when you think about a sailboat or sailing? It, uh, is it something like this? Can you put up the first picture? Oh, how cute. Man. That was me when I was nine. No, it's not true. It's not. I'm just kidding. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Man, perhaps, perhaps you think about this simplicity. The song that was sung was the idea that, you know what we need? We just need some freedom. We just need to relax a little bit. You know, come on, everybody. We just want to relax, get out on the open water. All right. Now, some of you who like, who like getting out there, you get out on the open water and just relax and let the breeze gently blow as you sip your pina colada. I mean, water, clear, virgin pina colada, water. yes, as you go along. The idea that, that to move in life, we really just need, you know what we need? We need less stress. I need a bigger vacation. I need more of a, I need a getaway because my life is too stressful. And the way to do that would be to, to jump in a sailboat and head out somewhere. The simplicity of a sailboat. Just raise your sails and off you go, right? You know, the, the ship that we're going to talk about building today is Fellowship. I remember as a child, probably about the age of this kid in the boat, that a pastor once told me that to have fellowship, it's two fellows in a ship rolling the same direction. He's on a roll this morning, guys. Hang on. I'm just saying that was, that's a true story from when I was a kid. But isn't this our idea of fellowship even here at this church? And by the way, I want to start off here as we're speaking about fellowship to say that I think that this is one of the best churches I've ever seen at fellowship. Yeah. That there is somewhere to go every night of the week. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean every night of the week, you can be in someone's home doing some type of fellowship. And we are so proud of you as a church. But I want to address a few things here because I feel like this is what the Lord has put on our heart. So anybody ever had a word from the Lord and you're like, I'm not sure how they're going to take this. Anybody ever had that? Yes. You're like, I think they already, Lord, you're telling me to tell them something and I think they already know it. Welcome to today. But I trust the Lord that if we have the right kind of expectations, this is not going to be something that you already know. 
Can you just take a minute and, and, and set aside what you think you already know about fellowship? Because I think most of us look at fellowship like the simplicity of this little boat. We just raise the sail and you just go over to my house, right? And we're fellowshipping, right? That's how we do this. Um, I, I think we're going to have a different picture by the time we get done with this today. I think we will. Let me start with the definition, one of the many definitions of sailing. It means to move smoothly and rapidly. That's like Pastor Matt when he dances. <laughs> Not anymore. My knees give out. <laughs> but to move smoothly and rapidly or in a stately or confident manner. You know, when we think about fellowship, it can't be related to this particular boat because fellowship has a purpose to conquer certain things, to overcome and persevere trials. That what we are expecting is just something to be smooth, but not rapid. Not not too much, right? Not too fast. Or we fellowship with a lack of confidence in an insecure manner. I want to show you guys a video that's a clip from the America's Cup. This is a regalia, uh, not regalia, this is a, a race uh, that's held every single year and shows you what real fellowship looks like. Smooth and rapid. Come on, look at the urgency. Look at the teamwork. I could do that for two seconds and I'd fall out. Does that look easy, Saints? That's a little more complex than you were thinking originally, wasn't it? See, our thoughts on fellowship are usually the first picture. The little boy in, the, in, a, in a safe lake with the, little, with the life raft on. But I think that fellowship in the kingdom looks more like that video that we just saw. Yeah, it does. Do you realize that even when they're sitting, they're not just sitting? They're moving from side to side. They're working in tandem. They're working in teams so that they might go, for, go back and forth. Because what are they trying to do? They're trying to adjust for what the wind is doing that they might be propelled further and faster in the smoothest possible way. Did you see that particular ship there? Did you see how it wasn't even really going cutting through the water? It was almost flying on top of it? Yeah. Come on, would you, let, would you allow me to just jump into a sode here for just a second? Oh, yeah. In the Bible, when you look at water, it's always dealing with humanity. Do you know how you get yourself above the level of the rest of humanity? Do you know how you pull yourself up from the things that are trying to pull you under? You get in fellowship. You know that we had a, a, a BIM. How many people do we have go to prison this morning? 11 men went to prison this morning. Guess how many men were on that ship? It was a team of 11 people. 
Did you see that at one point it cut away and they had another boat with men looking and they were holding things? Those were the coaches. Those were the coaches there. They put me on the side that needed the most weight. <laughs> Those are the coaches watching, evaluating, saying, hey, man, you guys are doing a great job. Look how fast you're going. Now, if you would shift a little bit quicker here, if you'll work on that rigging a little bit better, you know what you can do? You can get even higher out of the rest of humanity. Yeah, you can even rise good. above this. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 5. Wow, we're going to start off in the law. I love it. Leviticus, where everyone starts their morning reading, right? The book of Leviticus. Vaikra. In Leviticus 19 and verse 5, look what it says. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering, some of your translations may say a peace offering, but isn't that, think about it, fellowship and having peace with someone makes a lot of sense. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. Do you mean that we can offer a fellowship offering? A free will gift. This was not in response in Leviticus 3 to some sin that a person had committed. If you, if you don't understand the Levitical offering system, you'll think that every offering is always given for sin. Sometimes you get to give a free will offering. And this was one of those types. But you know the way that you had to do it? You had to have an animal without defect. You had to offer it even though you were doing it free will and voluntary. You had to offer it in a way that would be accepted on your behalf. Let's talk about that as a church for just a second. Do you mean that you can come over to someone's house? You could drag yourself tired as you are on a Sunday evening over to the pastors or the elders' houses, and, and you can come and be a part and it not be something that's accepted on your behalf? We want you to do what you're doing. It's not that this church isn't a, we're not afraid of hard work. Uh, we enjoy hard work and you should. Yeah. That is the mark of a real man or a real woman is that you know how to work. You know how to finish the task that's before you. But as we're doing that, we want you to present something that is accepted on your behalf from the heavens. Is it a burden to you? Now, see, as your pastor, I get to, I get to have a lot, I get to have an insight that's interesting. I'm the guy in the other boat that needs a motor to catch up with you guys as you're going forward. And I get to watch things from a different angle than, than, than you do sometimes. Do you know what I know? You know what I've heard from our people sometimes? And it's, it's the, it's the lightest little implication because no one wants to be that one. And I'm not going to call your name in any names out today, but you know who you are. I will. He, he's the name caller. I got him right here. The idea, <laughs> yeah, y'all in trouble. Um, the idea that you could come and sometimes, let's be honest, I've heard some of us, theoretically speaking, of course, yes, talking yes. about their friends, that sometimes, like, why do we do so much stuff? Like, it feels like it's a little bit of a burden to come and have fellowship with people. You guys are always pushing us, driving us to more fellowship, more in the word, more of the spirit. Can't you just relax just a little bit? Pastor, I mean, does it have to be this intense? Does it have to, to be, be accepted before God? I mean, sometimes I just need, need my rest. I mean, we've done a lot and I could be a better person if I just stayed at home and did whatever. Now what I know, I, I'm sure that's none of the people here. I'm sure it's all the people who left us today. So it's all of them. <laughs> When you guys watch it, it's all you. We're, we're looking at you right now. 
None of us here, right? This is a rhetorical question. Please don't answer this out loud. Has fellowship ever felt like a burden instead of something that's propelling you forward? Are you not always sure of the effects of fellowship? They keep saying that fellowship is this core thing in the Bible, but the truth is, is we do it. Pastor, I've tried, and you know what? I don't see any real effects in me. I don't see real any real impact in me. The truth is, is that the fellowship, fellowship in this body is like a sail. Yeah. Let's think about it for a second like the sail of the ship. What does the sail do? It is designed that the more closely we knit together, the more that we close the gap and get close to each other, we are able to do what? We're able to expand. We're able to collect as the Spirit of God begins to blow. And then what happens? It moves you forward. Our fellowship is designed as we get closely knit together as we get tight in the group, as we continue to move towards each other, that we're able to better get the Holy Spirit to move us in the right direction. That is a beautiful... Let me show you a few pictures to help you to see it a little bit better. We think about sail. We think about ships with sails on them. Do you see how there's even multiple ones? It's not just a singular sail. I was trying to figure out for all of our engineers in the room, for whatever reason, we have so many engineers in this place. I was trying to figure out the square footage of sailage of the sail to move per ton. I was trying to figure that out for you guys. The truth is, is there's far too many variables for me to be able to just tell you an amount. The size of the ship, the, the, the shape of the hull, how many sails, what they're like. But the point is, let's do the other one. The point is, is that we can move You can move ships that weigh 100 tons, 50 tons, with a piece of fabric attached to the mast. What can we move with fellowship when we are done rightly, when we are tightly knit together, when we've closed the gap? But but pastor, we're close. Yeah, close Close the gap. gap. Let's get tightly knit together that God may be glorified in everything that we do. Saints, as we look at, uh, let's go back to that first picture that we had, Joy. Uh, I'm sorry, the the one with all the sails. There we go, that one. No, that <laughs> yeah, is y'all not all want right to go one. back to that first one, don't you? You can't, not allowed. Pastor just spoke about the ability of these sails able able to move somewhere around a hundred tons through water. What kind of tension is within these sails? I mean, just in manufacturing that fabric. Someone is having to sit down and closely knit together each thread. When one of these sails, let's say half of these sails, begin to lose that close-knit fashion, what happens to the cargo in the water? It stops moving. What pastor is encouraging us, what I am encouraging us to do, is that as we close that gap, we are enabling the Holy Spirit to move upon the unity that we have. And what God is building in this church, in all the One Association churches, that message of salvation, liberty, and freedom is able to transverse the sea of humanity and carry hope everywhere that we go. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15.
through Jesus. Well, that's a powerful statement in and of itself. That's already a good scripture. Through Jesus, therefore, let us. You know, fellowship is not a single person event, meaning just one person. Hey, guys, I went home and I just sat around and fellowship by myself. No. This is a greater than one principle. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. You know what happens whenever you share with your brothers and sisters next to you what you're praying for in private? The things that you're gleaning from God's word in your quiet time? Is that it results in a rejoicing. It results in praise. That a lot of times the very reason that God is moving on your heart to study a certain scripture or to begin to pray on certain points is so that when you share those things, other people are having that same exact scripture or that same exact burden. And what does that result in? Amen. God is testifying in all of us what is happening and we can continually give God praise for what he's doing inside of us. That praise is the fruit of lips that confess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others. You know, coming back to that scenario, let's say on Fuerte Drive, Sunday nights, and that overwhelming feeling in some of you that says, you know what, I show up and, you know, I have a hard time connecting with people, pastor, and, you know, I just kind of sit in the back and I, I just kind of wait for people to come to me and, and talk to me, but I really get nothing out of fellowship. It is your responsibility to engage and tightly knit your lives together with other people. It is your responsibility to do good to for each other and to share with each other. Bring something. When you come to Sunday nights, whenever you come into fellowship, always be prepared ahead of time with a word, a scripture, something that can feed someone else's soul. And if by chance you also bring a meal or an appetizer on Sunday nights, that would be a blessing for us all too. That's doing good and sharing with others. For with such sacrifices, what kind of sacrifices? That sacrifice of fellowship, man. That's that desire, the, the heavy grave sleepies that come upon you on Sunday afternoons. Man, at six o'clock, you just want to, man, I just need to lay down for 15 minutes, pastor, and then I'll come over and fellowship. You show up at 10.30 p.m., <laughs> I kind of overslept. Sorry about that. Oh, man. We're talking to you, prison team. That's who we're talking to. (laughs) But you know that sacrifice that we're talking about. You guys are already doing it. This is a part that we can rejoice in. I see you overcome just that fleshly desire to give in to comfort. And you lay it before the Lord because you know that you need your brothers and they need you. For such sacrifices, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. The idea of stepping closer together to close the gap as much as you can to get tightly knitted together is exactly what we're trying to do. Turn with us to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. See, we have a lot of activity. We have a lot of motion for such a, a, a church our size. We just sent a quarter of our people somewhere today. I love that about us. They need, and the only reason we didn't send half or more was because the building that we were sending them to, we were afraid that we would overwhelm them. <laughs> we would have done more. We, we had to cap it. I am so proud that we are doing this, and I know that God wants each of us to have sacrifices of fellowship that are pleasing to him, that we may offer these 
offerings to the Lord. Acts 2 and verse 42. Say there when you're there. It says this. They devoted themselves. Somebody say devoted. Devoted. Themselves to the apostles teaching. To fellowship. To the breaking of bread. And to prayer. You know this singular verse. You know what it does? It gives us the four corners of a foundation of how to build a church. Of how to build a kingdom. Devote yourselves to the apostles teaching. Get in the word. If you're not in the Word every day, shame on you. Get in it. Get in the Word. If you just reviewed the sermons and the teachings that we had, last year we had over 375 hours of recorded teaching. That's more than the days in the year, in case you missed that part. That's more than an hour a day of recorded, fresh Word. If you just reviewed it tomorrow, if you just reviewed the Word from today, If on Tuesday you reviewed the word from Monday night. If Wednesday you reviewed what you got at the Forge with the Smiths and the Browns. On Thursday if you reviewed what you... I mean, do you see what I... If you just did a review, you have more than than enough to read every single day. These are the four corners of the foundation of what's going to be built in your life. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Devotion to this foundation will allow you to learn how to be a master builder. Let's look at verse 43 and see what these things begin to produce. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers say all the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Well, as we reflect the image of the father, and unify in that ihad, that homothematon, we're able to see then the power of God move through our unity. Amen. We're able to see the needs of God's people met. It's not just the sacrifice of one person or generosity of one person. It's the sacrifice of everyone yeah. meeting each other's needs. Amen. Something like this, Chris, is jaw-dropping awesome. <laughs> he said that the other night in Discipleship Helps and... We have picked up on it and going to use it repeatedly. We serve a jaw-dropping awesome God. Amen. Who is wanting to build a jaw-dropping awesome church through jaw-dropping awesome fellowship in the name of Jesus. Saints, we got to be tightly knit together. We got to close the gap so that there is no lack, no lack of God's power and no lack of meeting the needs. Look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Do you realize that this started off with focusing on the apostles' doctrine? And do you realize the rest of this really is just different ways of saying they were in fellowship? Do you realize they weren't talking about breaking bread? They're not just talking about just the meal. There's a, there's a saying in the Pirkei Avot, one of the, one of the Hebrew writings. And if I can remember it rightly off the top of my head, it's something like, Without a meal, there is no study of the Torah. Without the study of Torah, there is no meal. That idea of linking those two things together when you're, when you're, it's not, we want to encourage you. Please get together as families and share the word over a meal. Share what the Lord is doing over a meal. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Boy, they're always eating. Man, them Christians are always eating, aren't they? With glad and sincere hearts. Can you feel it today? We want to have a joyful day because that's what our Father is like. 
praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. We're not just trying to tell you today that you must fellowship. That's not the goal. I think you already know that. We could have said that in the first 45 seconds, closed in prayer, and moved on with your day. What we're trying to do is show you through passages that when you devote yourself to fellowship, what happens? Signs and wonders and miracles begin. What happens when you devote yourselves to the apostle teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer? What happens when you do it? You get a benefit for doing it. There is something that is wrought in your life that is built into you so that you might build others. When you're doing these things, you get to see that no one has a need in the entire community. Boy, that is so difficult to conceive, isn't it? There's not one of you that we want to have where you have a lack in your life. You know why? Because if the church knows about it, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have fellowship with you and we're going to help you. If I have something to sell, I will go sell it to get you what you need. You know why? Because we're in fellowship. I would do that for my family. I would have, there would be nothing that my family needs that I'm not willing to go do to make it happen. That's why the church is not supposed to be an organization, but a family. Amen. Whatever we can do to heal you, to help you. But you know what you do to be a part of the group is you do the same to each other. Yeah. And then no one has to be afraid of lack. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. You know, one of the things the enemy has tried to do so hard and so much to our church in the last year, year and a half, is to make people feel like that they're separate from us, even while they're sitting amongst us. They're coming up, they're going to someone's house, and they don't actually feel connected to the people that are there. The enemy is lying to them. They're saying, I do not walk in the favor of all people. These people don't understand who I am. They don't really know me. There's something separate about them. The Bible says that when you do it this way, you get the benefits of enjoying the favor of all people. Amen. Come on, that's a good, that's an encouraging statement, isn't it? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you know what that produces in us? It produces a growing congregation. Do you know why? Because you are proud to bring someone to church. You're proud to bring someone. Why? Because it's your family. Amen. Now, if your family's like mine, they got some things that you'd rather not show to everyone else. The crazy uncle who's over in the corner, you'd rather not them see that person on, on, on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, we got that here too. It's all right. It's, it's all right. But you want people to be a part of your family because this is something special that the Lord is building. He's the master builder and he's causing us to help build each other that we might continue to build his kingdom. And this is a lot of moving parts, isn't it? This, this is like those guys on that, on that video that we saw. They're running back and forth. Why are you running back and forth? Because somebody needs me over here. We're moving forward like a bullet. But now I have a job to do. I need to stop and sit down so that another may go to another place. And we can work here to keep the gears, to keep the mechanisms moving. That we might stay elevated in our thoughts. Elevated in our hearts. That the Lord might use us and propel us with the power of His Holy Spirit. Man, this is something special. Let's continue to look at these benefits. Everybody say benefits. Benefits. The benefits of fellowship. As we get tightly knit together. As we close the gap with each other today. Not in some theory. We have many, many people out. Today I feel like we need to close the gap some. Amen. We have, we have a quarter of our church that's out blessing another church. We need to close the gap today. Amen. Do you wait on someone else to have the word that someone needs? 
What happens when there's a gap there? You close the gap and pray that the Lord will give you the word that they need. Amen. So that no one will be lacking. You won't be lacking in any substance. You won't be lacking in the word of God. You won't be lacking in encouragement. You won't be lacking in connection. You won't be lacking in wisdom. There's nothing that you lack when you walk rightly according to the foundation that we're seeing here. Let's look at some other benefits from this. Turn, to, turn with us to 1 John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Let's pause on that for a minute. What we are constantly building here at LCM and the One Association Churches is a standard and an example of what fellowship looks like. A standard and an example of what being tightly knit together looks like. A lot of people think that we're crazy. They think that we're a cult. But we're putting into effect the very things that we see in God's Word. Everyone wants to say that they they are or are aspiring to be an Acts chapter 2 kind of church. But I don't see Acts chapter 2 behavior in their church. I see Acts chapter 2 behavior in this church, in the One Association churches. And by doing so, when you walk out these doors, you're able to testify of what you have seen and what you have heard. Amen. You have experienced that fellowship that is close, that is intensely molded or wound together, and able to sustain the moving of God's Spirit through it, propelling the work of God forward. We have a sign that we've had since day one on, in the back, right here on the sound booth. Perform out there what you've practiced in here. We need you guys to be witnesses of the type of fellowship that is required for an Acts chapter 2 kind of church. Amen. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, it's not just about getting together and making each other feel good when we hang out. It's true. It's about rallying to the point of the Son of God so that the Spirit of that Son can fill us and empower us. Okay, so there it was. More fellowship, right? Fellowship with the Father, fellowship with each other. Look at verse 4 because it gives you a benefit of the fellowship. We write this to make our joy complete. Isn't that incredible? It's telling you to fellowship and then it's showing you a benefit that you might have complete joy. There's nothing quite like a baby the first time that they start to belly laugh. (laughs) If you're a parent, just think back for a second. If you're not a parent yet, I promise you that I'm going to give you an example for you too in just a second. But this idea of a baby when they bet, when your child begins to just belly laugh, you're like, (laughs) they're laughing and it makes you completely joyous. When somebody says something and it just catches you, my brother, hopefully you're going to listen to this, Rodney, my brother can make me laugh like no other human being on the planet. I la- it's ugly laughing, like I have to cover my face because I can't like hold it together. I'm crying. He just There's something about his humor in our lifetime of friendship that we've had that makes me laugh like nobody else. I don't know why. Pastor Matthew has always got me laughing. There's something about that friend of yours who always makes you laugh? Usually slightly irreverent, usually slightly, you know, you're like, yeah, but I need, I need that person in my life. I'm too serious most of the time. My, my life is a very, I want to be serious about the gospel. 
man, I need people around me who just smile and laugh. I love Joanna and Andres. I'm looking back there and she's got such a beautiful smile. Those people who just, they smile and they make you want to smile. You could be all serious and they're like, <laughs> hey man, what's up? <laughs> that our joy may be complete. Nehemiah 8.10 says, uh, can you put Nehemiah 8.10 on the screen just for a second? Joy. It talks about that the joy of the Lord is our strength, but I want you to see the entirety of the verse. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Well, complete joy here today. Complete joy, people. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. Do you see how even when we're talking about joy, do you see how joy and fellowship are linked? Send to, if you don't have it, let me send it to you. Let me, let me help you so that you have no lack and you can enjoy this along with me. This day is holy to our God. Do you mean that choice food and sweet drinks can be holy? Absolutely. Do not grieve. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There are times when you grieve. There's no doubt. But when you are in fellowship, you know what it's supposed to do? It's supposed to allow you to walk away from grief and enter into complete joy. Amen. That's good. Come on, that is a good thing for us today. Let's continue. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 1 and let's look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't live by the truth. When the God that we serve demands transparency of us. There have been several times when people have been a part of our church. And by being associated next to the light, they've credited themselves with walking in the light. But the entire time they were walking in obscurity, walking in darkness, having secret areas of their life that they never exposed. They never brought out in fellowship, asking for help, asking for prayer so that they could be delivered from their sinful behavior or maybe even just a physical ailment they were struggling with. We serve a God who demands that we walk in light because he walks in light. Let's look at verse seven. But if we walk in the light, As he is in the light. That's an interesting way to say that, right? I know why I'm thinking of a little strut down the street, right? If we're walking in the light, but as he does it, we have fellowship with him. Is that what it says? Okay, y'all got to stay with me, see? But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with who? With one another. When your relationship is right with the Lord and someone else's relationship is right with the Lord, you know what you have? You have fellowship with each other. And that's going to bring you not only joy, but look at what the right fellowship with the Lord. See, people want to say that they're in a right relationship with the Lord. How many times, how many family members do you have? How many coworkers do you have that say, I'm right with the Lord? Yeah, but you don't get along with anybody. (laughs) All of them, says Rob. Everybody, all my family says that. I'm right with the Lord, but I can't be in right fellowship with you. Then something is not right. The Apostle John would say you're lying because you're not walking in the light. Because if you are, you know what you have? You have fellowship. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know what happens as you're walking in the light and in fellowship? You can find purity and cleansing for your life. 
What an interesting benefit of fellowship. To have fellowship with the Lord will produce fellowship with your fellow brother, which will allow you to be purified from all of your sins. What a thought. Do you know why? Because if you're not in fellowship, you know what happens? You hide those things. Because I think you only want to get to be my friend to fellowship with me because I'm strong. So if I show you my weakness, you can't love me anymore. That is the way that the world responds. So we produce these false facades to mask who we really are because we're just afraid that you won't take us for who we are. Real fellowship with the Lord allows us to go, man, I did that. Linton, I so messed this up. It was awful. What a terrible heart I had about it. I just got to tell you, because you know why? Because I asked the Lord and he forgave me. And now I can share that with you because I have fellowship with him now. He helped to cleanse me because of this fellowship that we have. What an incredible benefit of fellowship. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. We'll start in verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. When we're talking about being a tightly knit group in fellowship or closing the gap, realize that most of the time God is wanting to give you endurance and encouragement through your unification with each other. I've looked at this verse and I've said, well, this means I need to go into my prayer closet and seek the Lord alone more. I need to read the word alone more. And when I've done that, I have heard nothing but silence and walked away with a lack of encouragement and a lack of empowerment. But the minute I begin to close that gap and fellowship with my brothers, they share a word with me. They begin to pray for me, or as we pray about something else, the power of God fills me. The power of God fills his word, moves and cuts on my heart, and I have that endurance and that encouragement that I was seeking from God alone the whole time. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Come on, are you there with me? We got we to gotta be in fellowship with this. Let us consider, let's ponder, let's think about the well-being of others. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. As you are focusing on fellowship, what happens is you begin to have methods to, uh, to spur somebody on. Amen. Anybody ever had that friend that just kind of helped you to do things, good or bad, <laughs> that spurred you on? That uh, wild and crazy friend that always has you jumping off of the top of something when you shouldn't? Yeah, I I had those friends. Sorry. (laughs) This idea that we should be considering one another. We should, in fellowship, we're thinking about how we can encourage another to be a loving husband. Man, when I'm around some men, I I see how loving they are towards their wives. You know what it does? It spurs me on to want to be more loving towards my wife. When I see someone handle their children really, really well. I'm like, oh man, I, oh yes. When I hear about one of you guys taking your daughters on a date, and I'm like, oh, I haven't taken my daughters on a date in a while. I'm spurred on to do, it's a little bit of a poke in the side. Oh, thank you. 
It makes me a better man when I consider you. And if I'm seeing that, I want to, I'm being spurred on by you, and therefore it makes me want to go, what can I do to help my brother? What, what can I do to help Assad? Amen. What can I do to help Tom? What, it helps us to move forward. Let us not, verse 25, let us not give up meeting together. Wasn't that interesting? It says don't give up meeting together. Isn't that interesting? Don't give up meeting together. Why? Because the tendency is that you want to give up meeting together. I've done enough of that. Haven't we done that enough? As some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. Turn to your neighbor and say, close the gap. Close the gap. Turn to your other, your other neighbor and say, let's be tightly knit together. Turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Speaking of tightly knit, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 through 20. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Come on, say out loud with me. I am. I am. Where God wants me to be. Where God wants me to be. We're not to debate with God exactly where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to know for certain and trust and continue to walk in that trust of where God has put us in the body. That within the members of our body, you have cells, you have ligaments, muscles, bones that are joined together and that there is no gap in between them in order to sustain all life. We have a lot to learn just looking at the very simple Peshat things in the word that God demands from us a tightly knit fellowship. Turn with us to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says this, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, when you close the gap, when you get tightly knit together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of this, all of these must be done. Everybody say it out loud. Must be done. Must be done. Why? For the strengthening of the church. Our right fellowship strengthens the entire body. When you get closely knit, when you join together with somebody, there's no space between you anymore. When you get tightly knit together and you close that gap, what happens is, is you allow for God's spirit to move and these things must be done. But when they are, what is produced? The strength of the church. Where joy can be our strength and our reward for us having fellowship. The reward for a church being in fellowship. The reward for all of us collectively is that we are stronger as a church. Amen. The more tightly that we're knit together, the stronger we get. Come on, I want to get stronger in the Lord. Amen. And I need you to do that. Jeremiah thirty-two thirty-nine says, I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me for their own good and the good of their children after them. You know, the fellowship that you are investing in right now, closing that gap, being tightly knit together, it is not only producing the benefits of it in your life, it's carrying down for generations to come. That you're setting the precedent that your children can expect those same benefits of of the sacrifice that you're making through uh, fellowship. In Ezekiel 11, verse 19, it says that I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit within them. The benefit of fellowship for our entire body is that as you fellowship, you know what happens? He gives us an undivided heart. Think about that for a second. 
I need an undivided heart within me so that I don't have any portion of it that is committed to something else or someone else other than the Lord and his will in my life. But what happens is, is we need an undivided heart. And that comes from having his spirit placed within us. That's something that only he can do. But our part of this is to be faithful in the fellowship so that we might receive the benefit of an undivided heart and a new spirit. Anybody ever just had a a day where you just woke up and you're just in a good mood? Just something about the day just puts you, you're like, this is going to be a good day. I don't know what was going on yesterday. I may not feel this way tomorrow, but today, today's going to be a good day. How about we have it where the Lord begins to do that in our, in our group collectively? Can you feel that that's what the Lord's trying to do in our church? He's trying to go, this is a good season for you. I'm giving you a new spirit. What do you have to fear? Join together. You will not lack anything if you join together. The only way that you are without is if you are not in the fellowship. If you commit to the fellowship, you will get the benefits of the fellowship. Turn with us to John. John chapter 13, verse 34. So what we've, what we've been covering with you guys is the benefit of fellowship in your personal life and in the community of God. But it has so much more to accomplish than just those two things. Starting in verse 34, the testimony of our discipleship is found in love for each other. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. You think it would be a new command for him to just to say love one another? Our flesh wars against loving one another because it requires us to die to self to love one another and be in fellowship. By this, the this is loving one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, when visitors come to our church, and let's just say they're not born again, They see all of us hugging each other. They're very put off by it usually. And then you guys attack them and hug them as well, just like you hug each other. Even walking through these doors, many people, in fact, every single person who's visited says, I feel God's presence in this place. Well, it's definitely not the decor. It's not the sound system. That's true. It is... The people of God in this place genuinely loving each other. And the result is the manifest presence of God. So that when they experience it, they're transformed by it. The goal of fellowship is eventually supposed to reach the world as we carry it out. Would you go back to the verse 34 for just a second, Joy? This new command that has been given. The new part of the command is not the encouragement to love one another. That was from the beginning. That was all the way back in Leviticus. That was already all the way back in the Torah that you were supposed to love one another. The new part of this is, is that you're supposed to love one another as he has loved us. That's the new part. Love. Well, your mama told you to love each, to be nice to each other. When you were a kid, you learned that in kindergarten. The new part is that we love each other not just when, with a, an abundance of emotions, but we love each other the way that Christ has loved us. Amen. Sacrificially, in a devoted fashion, thinking of the others ahead of ourselves. This is the manner. Look in John 17. It says this in verse 20. John 17, 20 says this. My prayer is not for them alone, 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Come on, that they may be tightly knit together. That they may close the gaps that they have. That they all may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe. You know what fellowship and unity rightly does in us? When we are tightly knit together, when we close the gap, it is a testimony. It is a witness to everyone around you. You guys are so weird, but there's something that's special about you. And we say, yes, yes, we are weird. Because what we're doing is not the way that the world loves. We're doing this as he has loved us. It shows that we are one. What other group can you come to? Where can you go? Do you want to go to work and have everyone? You, they force you to do things together. Because they're paying you to do it. We have this goal and team and let's do a team building. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to create what we have here. And we're not paying you to do it. Nor will we ever. What a beautiful thought that we might be one and that our love, from what Pastor Matthew read, and, our, and us being one will be a testament to the world and all those around us. In verse 22 of John 17, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Speaking of Him and the Father. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. And here's the purpose of why. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Well, as we walk in that complete unity, people will see that Jesus is real. Not just know that he was real. He, they will see that he is real. That he's really living. That he's really active. And that he is really engaging their personal life as a witness of what your, uh, your unity is. Come on, anybody need to get better at witnessing to the lost in here? Yes. Anybody need to get better to talking to that neighbor in your, in your cubicle? You know how you do that? You know part of the way to do that? Part of the way that you can testify that the Lord is actually in you? It's through the right kind of fellowship. It actually builds your testimony. You become a master builder because you are working so well in fellowship that you are becoming a better person, a better man, a better woman every single day. That begins to testify. Why are you always talking about your church? Why are you always talking about these people? What's wrong with you? And you could say, yeah, you see that difference? It's not what's wrong with me. It's that I found the answer. The solution. Can I tell you more about this? See, you think it's an, it's an adverse thing for them to come and, and bring ridicule towards you. It's the open door to testify to them because your life is now showing it. You're actually showing it. They're actually seeing something in you that made them mad enough that they want to say something. Perfect. Quit being so childish as to think that that's a bad thing. You have the words of life. The Lord has given them to you. Continue to grow in this. Amen. In Luke chapter 10, turn with us to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says this, After the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them out two by two ahead of Him to every town and every place, Jesus Christ decided that it wasn't good enough to send you out one by one. He wanted you to be in fellowship with someone else. Even as you're going. Let's look at verse 5. 
When you enter a house, first say peace to this house or fellowship to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. Amen to that. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. You know, as we see this, the fellowship that you have with God and with, with each other is to be the very means of evangelism. That what you're bringing to them is you are able to have right relationship with God. And right here with my brother is a perfect example of it. That no two people can love each other the way that, that they see between you two guys unless God is involved in that relationship. Amen. Look at verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Okay, so here we, here we are again associating a meal with fellowship. The point of the meal wasn't just the food. The point of the meal was that you had relationship with someone that is starting to develop. When you enter a town and are welcomed, develop fellowship with them. And then what do you do? The fruit of your fellowship with people as you're engaging someone new. What is the, it's the hardest thing in the world, isn't it? To enter a group and to, to start to get to know people. Some people are very comfortable with that. Some people are not comfortable with that at all. Is that true or not? Some people just walk in and seem to win over the room. But let's be honest for a second. Even the ones who do that, sometimes their relationships only get about an inch deep and a mile wide. I have a really, really shallow relationship with everybody. What this is talking about is if you're starting to engage in meals, you're, de- you're deepening a fellowship with somebody. And look what the fruit of fellowship is. Heal the sick. Healing can come through fellowship. See, see, the problem is, is if we try to make the Bible a formula, we miss things like this. Who would have thought, how, uh, we need to get healed? Yeah, get in fellowship. That doesn't even make sense. You don't associate those things together, except the Word of God does. Yeah. Because you're in fellowship, because you found the right kind of shalom and peace here, you can heal the sick. And you know what you're supposed to do after you heal them? Then you tell them, the kingdom of God is near. Let the proof be in the pudding. The fruit of fellowship is that you bring the kingdom here to earth. Wow. A little bit more complicated than just that little boy in, in, the, in, the, in the boat on the lake, right? This is something that is more beautiful than we imagine. We're trying to let you know that there are fruit that come from our fellowship. If you haven't enjoyed the fruit yet, let us encourage you. Make sure that you're offering the right kind of fellowship before the Lord, that it might be accepted. Turn with us to Hebrews chapter 10 as we get ready to close. Start in verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let who? Let us draw near to God. See, as you begin to enter into right fellowship, with God and with each other. It'll be that closing of the gap. It'll be that close knitting together, your lives. The result is that you're able to walk into God's presence with absolute and full assurance. 
You're able to have your heart sprinkled and to cleanse, be, to be cleansed from a guilty conscience. And you're able to have your bodies washed with pure water. Come on, who delongs for and desires to be in God's presence and have his pure water wash over you? Who longs for and desires to have his blood sprinkled on your conscience and your heart and mind so that guilt doesn't weigh you down and rob you from experiencing his presence? Then draw near to God and to each other. Close that gap. As the Lord begins to move on your heart, even now, as you're sitting, listening to our words, let His Spirit bring back to remembrance any gaps that exist between you and God and you and those around you. And close them. You know, repentance is only repentance if action follows it. Repentance cannot be a checkbox of, I acknowledge that that's wrong, but I'm still doing nothing about it. If you have no relationship with God, that means to run to the feet of Jesus, asking Him to wash you, cleanse you, and sprinkle you. If you have been in the kingdom five days or 50 years, it still requires that same drawing near to Him because He is asking us to ever closer to draw near to Him. Amen. And by drawing near to God, the, the immediate byproduct is that we love and want to fellowship with our brother. Look at the next verse. Verse 23, it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Well, that concept of unswervingly means what? It means that you're so tightly knit together, even if you wanted to turn away. You know how you bundle up a little baby? You tuck those blankets in so that their arms, they're like, I call them a the little baby burrito. <laughs> You cinch them in there that even if they want to turn, they can't because they're now being held unswervingly by the blanket that you put around them. (laughs) The blanket of fellowship is designed to get around us so that even if you get nervous for a second and you want to turn away, you just can't. You hold unswervingly because you're tightly knit together to the hope that we profess for he who promised, he who promised is faithful. Let's forget about pretending like we think we're faithful. Our level of faithfulness is, is sorely off, but his is so faithful. Look at the next verse. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. <laughs> you know, one of the major benefits of right fellowship with God and each other, it's not only that your heart and your conscience is sprinkled by the blood. It's not only that you have an unswerving grip to the standard and the truths of who Jesus is. It's that you are able to be considerate in how you give counsel to one another. This doesn't say, and let us overreact how we may spur one another on. (laughs) Or let's just be volatilely giving advice to one another. (laughs) When we're right with God, you're able to give the right kind of counsel. Is your heart this morning... In a volatile place towards others. They may not even be sitting in this same room. They may be states away. But every time you hear their name. Or there's some slight uh, rem- remembrance of them. Something kind of vile and wicked begins to jump up. Well I, I would say to them this or this. Because I just need to set them in their place. I need to spur them on towards what's right. But it's being birthed from a place that is not right with God. Your heart's not right with God. 
We need to lay those things at rest and return back to what closes that gap. And that is the blood of Jesus. We need to return back to what makes us tightly knit together. And that is the cleansing water of his word. Amen. In verse 25, it says, let us not give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Meeting together, some in the habit of doing it. Let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of his coming. The day of his judgment. The day of him coming and reestablishing the right order of shalom and peace and fellowship on this earth. All the more as we get closer, we shouldn't be doing it less. We should be doing it more. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, and let's look at verse 8. Many of you guys know this scripture by heart, because it is what we are constantly talking about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Say power. Power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Say witnesses. Witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's see the relationship between the power of God and being His witnesses. That when that unity between you and the Lord, and you and your brothers and sisters around you, have joined together, the power of God begins to move you in order to go be a witness. That when that fellowship is broken down, you miss or... The Spirit of God cannot move through you nor the lack, the lack of unity or disunity that exists. So therefore, we continue in the logical string of this, you cannot be His witnesses. So when we return and when we repent in our hearts and our minds to the unity that God desires between us by closing that gap, we then enable ourselves to be powerful, Holy Ghost-filled witnesses of the kingdom. Amen. Let's look at Acts 2. This is our last passage of Scripture. Scripture, But it's going to set something on fire in our hearts today. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now let's hold, let's hold the phone for just a second before you move on with what's going to happen. The truth is, is aren't most of us sitting around waiting for the Spirit to begin to move? Aren't we waiting to feel the breeze until we put up the sail of fellowship? Don't, aren't our prayers, God, please move in this. God, please do this for me. God, please move. I need you to do something. I need, I, I think most of the time we're waiting for God to move, for his spirit to begin to move before we decide to put up the sails. What if the Spirit is waiting on us to raise our sails today? What if He's waiting on you to raise your sails and be like, I don't know if I feel the wind yet. But by the very definition of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Hebrew term for Holy Spirit. Do you know what a spirit cannot be? The Holy Spirit cannot be stagnant. The very idea of Ruach The spirit of holiness is supposed to be like if you were breathing out. It means that it's a moving wind. How about we quit waiting on the spirit 
to move and we get our sails up so that as he moves, we begin to move forward. Because if you're waiting for the Spirit to move and then try to get your sail up, you know what you're always going to be? You're always going to be behind what the Spirit's doing. Pick up your sails today, church. Lift those sails. Be tightly knit together. Close that gap that you might put your sails up. The way that we're going to close this here in a minute is we're going to believe that if we put our sails up, His Spirit will blow upon us. This is the pattern that we see. You want to be a master builder? Get your sails up. Get that fellowship before you think you need it. Do what the Lord is telling you to do before you see the rewards. This is what this word is telling us today. Don't let your prayers reflect that he's not already moving. Your prayer should say, Lord, let us learn how to rightly set our sails that we might be moved by your spirit that is already moving. Your presumption is, is that he's not moving until you beg him. And then maybe, if he feels like it today, he might move. The mighty men and women of God who you see God moving in, it's because they just put their sails up. Why does it seem like the Lord always speaks to him? Because he's probably got his sails up. And when he doesn't even know it, he begins to move. And like, you know, I think the Lord is moving. Genius. Perhaps you're missing the Spirit of God moving because you just haven't put your sails up today. And He's wanting to move. When the day of Pentecost came, they were already together and they had their sails up. Come on, that's where we need to be today. Verse 2 says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Because they had their sails up, their hearts were right, unity was in the place. There was a sudden move of God. We're going to expect this morning a sudden move of God. We're going to expect this morning that you're going to raise the sails of unity and fellowship by closing that gap. And we're going to wait, or not wait, we're going to expect the move of God upon our unity. Are you all ready for that this morning? Let's let the wind of God's Spirit fill our sails today. If you've ever heard it, if you've ever seen a, a, a show with it, when the wind fills the sail, it's, 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 it's there, and then the wind begins to pick up enough, and the sound of a rushing wind came into the... It filled the sails of the people there. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. They were in fellowship, and the Lord responded in fellowship. I don't want one of you to miss out on what God has for you today. If you've been here since the beginning of the church, or if today's your first day, I don't want you to miss out because I believe that the Spirit of God can come and rest on each of us today. Whatever you need. Get your sails up, folks. Don't be discouraged. Let the joy and fill you with the expectancy of what He's going to do. Look at what the next verse says. All. Everybody say all. All. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Not only did the presence of God come to rest over them, He began to actually fill them. And there was something that could be seen and heard as a result. That is the speaking of tongues. That we not only believe, but we are walking in this culture, this church, 
that the active presence of God will manifest through each individual as they let him to result in the speaking of tongues and all the other gifts of the Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to fill our sails this morning. Look in verse 14. I want to, as our closing verse, stand with us today. Let us read this together as you stand. Because it says, Then Peter stood. He stood up with the eleven. I love the fact that we had eleven men go to prison this morning. Then Peter stood with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. The man who had shown fear when a little girl said, aren't you with them? No, I swear that I was not with them. Denied Christ. That man, when he stood up with the eleven, what he could not do by himself, when he stood with the eleven, when he stood in the fellowship of believers, He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. The man who couldn't handle the scrutiny of a child is now addressing a city full of people. What have you been unable to do of late? What has been eating your lunch? What little girl has been accusing you? What if today you decided to stand with the 11? What if you decided that that problem that you thought was insurmountable is not actually that at all? It's because you've been trying to handle it by yourself. What if you can see what Peter does here? He addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. We have to become master builders of fellowship in this house. We must get tightly knit together. We must close the gap today so we can carry this message to the world. We're going to worship together. You guys know that our altars are always open. But before we do that, I'd like to encourage you to find a brother, to find a sister, to stand as a family. Would you guys get together as families right now? Is everyone connected? Do you see what's happening here? We start off in small pods. And then as the small pod realizes that they're all by themselves. You start trying to find someone else to join with. Do you see what happens? We start closing the gap. 
It is what causes, it is what happens naturally in our hearts when we begin to focus on the Lord. We don't want to be by, by, by ourselves. So we find somebody to hold on to. And then once you have a little group, you know what you do? You go find a bigger group so that you're not by yourselves even in the small group. And you know what happens is you have a powerful move of the Lord that's moving through each of us as we're linked together. As we close the gap. I don't mean just holding hands like this. That's a point of connection. But when you start joining together, when you close the gap with each other, you know what happens? You can feel the wind of His Spirit moving in your life. Come on, let's cry out to the Lord right now. Mighty God, that You will help us Knit our hearts together, mighty God. Bind us together, O great Lord. Not for some weird perspective of our own, Lord. But we are prone to be alone. We are prone to find our own way and say, we don't see what this is doing. We see their passion, but we don't see it in ourselves, Lord. Reveal yourself to this church today. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us today. Lord, we stand together now that we might raise our sails. That we might say, Holy Spirit, blow upon us today. Fill us with your presence today, God. Give us everything we need. Right now, Lord, we are trusting that you will fill us with your joy. That you will bring healing today. I want to encourage you, if you feel sick in your body today, that God will heal you as we worship. That whatever you lack, that God will touch you today as we worship together. As we bind and get knit closely together. Close the gap today, church. Raise your sails as we worship Him.